Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Better Billing Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Gadzinowski, and today we're going to be talking about verification of benefits with Prosperity CEO Greg Kalin and VOB Supervisor Claire McHenry. Thank you both for joining today. Hey, Marty. Glad to be here. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So as we kind of go through the uh, top and uh, top and bottom discussion of VOBs, you know, why don't we start very general and broad and kind of go from there? So why don't we start by just talking about what a VOB is and why we need one? Um, so basically, a VOB is a verification of benefits. Um, a general explanation of what we do is receive um, requests from the facilities we bill for with patients' insurance details. Um, and then once we get that, we input it into our um, uh, queue and someone is assigned um, and uh, notifies facility um, upon completion of the VOB, sends it back to them. Um, and everyone has specific forms that we use for each facility. Um, that's pretty much it. So um, we're getting benefit details specifically for substance abuse or mental health, pre-certification information, and claims mailing addresses. Got it. And so as electronic verification of benefits are becoming more and more common, or eligibilities are sometimes called, uh, you know, they seem to be fast and easy, uh, but why aren't they um, enough to meet the needs of particular treatment center facilities within mental and behavioral health? Uh, usually... I don't have much experience using the online verification. We do use online portals. Um, they are pretty vague, however, only showing certain information. So the reason that we call in and speak with live representatives um, to complete our VOBs is because our VOB forms are very specific. They're very detailed. Um, there's many more questions on there that cannot be answered through online portals or through benefit faxes. Um, an example would be, you know, licensing requirements, um, uh, specific like day limitations for certain services or levels of care. And they go into great detail on the uh, online portals are basically just deductible out-of-pocket coinsurance and whether it's active or not. Yeah. And just to sort of take a step back to a sort of 30,000 foot view for a minute, like the, the reason why a VOB is really important is because it sets up the rest of the revenue cycle process. So in order to successfully obtain authorization for treatment, in order to successfully bill an insurance company, in order to collect cash on that claim, we need to have certain information and we need to be able to provide the facility with that information to make educated decisions about you know, what patients to admit and how to, you know, how to, how to organize their operations and things like that. So the, the challenge that Claire was, you know, really pointing to with the online VOBs, I think comes down to, although they might provide some basic information about a policy in this industry, in addiction treatment or mental health treatment, there's so much detail that you need to understand um, around policy exclusions or specific service coverage or, um, carve outs, things of that nature that just simply aren't available through the online portals that the insurance companies provide. Um, so whether you're using some type of a, uh, you know, some type of a electronic tool, uh, or a clearinghouse or direct access to a portal, the payers just don't make that information available, which is why ultimately the, you know, the phone call is, you know, becomes necessary for this specific industry. 
That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Is there is there information that uh, they're not providing, the insurance payers aren't providing because it's not available or just because they want to have that variable, the variability in uh, being able to kind of restrict how much, uh, you know, payouts they're making? Or I, I'm not really sure what, you know, why there'd be variability there, but I'm just curious if you, if you have any insight into why that might be the case. You know, I think my personal view about this is it's hard to, hard to get inside the heads of the folks at the payers who are, who are setting these things up, but you know, with, without you know having to attribute any particular intent to them, what what I can say, and I'm sure Claire can speak to this with more in more detail than I can, but there are you know hundreds of questions that we ask on our on our VOB, um, and again, we're drilling down to specific CPT codes that are that are you know asking about coverage for those codes and pre-authorization requirements for those codes. So there are, you know, we're asking a ton of questions in very minute detail about the nature of these plans and policies. And if you think about how the online system works, essentially what you're doing is you're accessing a database and it just becomes a huge amount of information that the payer would need to load up into a database and then make available through the online tools. Um, and frankly, it may just not be practical to do that for them. Right. Um, <laughs> And and also, you know, again, like to your point, there may be other motivations there as well. Um, you know, it certainly does make our life and the lives of our clients more difficult not to be able to access this type of information quickly and easily. Um, but again, I, I don't know what the intent is, but I certainly know that it's it's not available. That makes sense. Um, so if a electronic uh, verification of benefits is incomplete for whatever reasons they may be, what kind of information should facilities be sure to get on their VOBs and why? I think the most important information that um, our VOBs reflect after we call that's important for the facilities to see and have um, is basically coverage for each level of care because it can differ from level level of care. Um and the pre-cert information, whether or not something is covered so they know what they can and cannot admit someone to, um, that sometimes they require a nurse on site 24-7. Um, they definitely need to know whether the plan's active or not or if there's a future termination date on file. Um, we ask questions about coordination of benefits or COB, which is determining whether or not a client has more than one insurance policy um, because if they do, we need to run VOBs on both of those plans. Um, there's quite a bit of information that they need um, for patients' policies. So um, it's kind of hard to be limited and tell you just a few things. So what can go wrong with some of the information is missing, right? So if there's, you're getting a lot of complete information around the VOBs that you're putting together, it seems like there's kind of a gap between what, you know, the electronic VOBs will provide and the level of detail that you're assembling uh, for the facilities that you're working with. So if some of that information is not there, what could happen? Basically, like um, speaking from experience, so I've, you know, had calls in the past where, um, sometimes smaller insurance companies or maybe labor and um, health and welfare funds, um, you actually speak to the labor department. Um, and it's usually like three or four representatives they have there. You speak to the same people every time. And a lot of the time, some insurance companies won't even quote benefits over the phone to you. They require that you get a fax from them. Um, and then usually once we get that, we can call back and get 
um, certain information that was not on the facts if they allow it. Um, so basically the information that we're getting from a fax, let's say, um, it'll have, uh, uh, the coverage effective date and it'll have, um, uh, deductible and, and an out of pocket and a coinsurance for in and out of network if they have it. Um, but it doesn't go into detail. So, um, for each level of care, um, anything like that. So it's, it's just very different. Um, and that's why we don't do it super often unless we absolutely have to. Right. Now that makes sense. I, I, think, the, I think the broader message about, you know, when I think about sort of goes back to something I said a, a few minutes ago, when I think about the VOB, I think about it as the foundation for the rest of the revenue cycle. So if there's information that is missing from the VOB, that creates an opportunity for uh, something to go wrong down the line. It creates an opportunity for uh, the facility to provide care that ultimately is not going to be reimbursed. And there's a whole bunch of, to Claire's point, like in a way, everything on the VOB is critically important because any individual hole is enough for the claim to fall through, right? So one type of hole is if the policy is not active, that's sort of the most obvious hole. So if you don't have the information on the VOB about whether or not the policy is active, then, you know, if the policy is not, then you could end up with, you know, non-reimbursable services that you provided. But that's just the most obvious example. There's all kinds of other potential holes in the policy that, that we need to identify through the VOB. And that sort of is what a bunch of the stuff that Claire was mentioning before, when we start to look at individual levels of care or CPT code services that are covered or not covered, some of them might be covered and some might not be covered. But if we didn't ask that you know, level of detail in the question and you didn't have that specific information about a particular service that you were going to provide, then that's a hole that the claim can fall through. If you don't ask about pre-certification requirements, um, and you, you know, therefore you don't get an authorization for the love for the service before you provide it. That's another hole that the, that the claim can fall through. Um, you know, and so really the whole, uh, ultimately the way I think about it is that the VOB starts out as an a blank form, which is basically like a sieve. And then what we do by going through the VOB process and asking these questions is we cover up all the holes in the sieve so that the claims are going to get trapped inside the bowl effectively. We turn the sieve into a bowl so that we can collect that cash eventually for the services that are being provided. Um, whereas if you don't get all the, you know, all that complete information on the VOB, you create uh, or you leave holes in the sieve that the claims can leak through. Got it. So basically, obviously, it's really accurate. It's important to get accurate information out of a VOB, but it's also extremely important to make sure that you're getting complete information. So there's nothing that you're missing that might otherwise disqualify someone from being uh, admissible in a facility or being able to get the benefits that uh, the, the facility thinks they're going to be getting for reimbursement purposes. Um, so is are, is it really in the terms of the completeness where other uh, billing companies and facilities kind of get VOBs wrong? Are they trying to do things maybe too quickly or incompletely or... Where do they generally go wrong when they're putting together their VOBs where Prosperity is able to kind of close those gaps? I can um, say from, so usually when we get VOB requests from our facilities, sometimes they're sending us snapshots of a past facility that ran a VOB. So I'm able to see other places VOB forms because we get screenshots in because it has all the client's insurance info on it so that we can go ahead and make our call 
on our forums. Um, and what I see a lot of the time is the forms are much smaller. They're not as detailed. Um, and a lot of the time we'll run a full VOB, we'll send it back and they differ from one another. Um, that being maybe the last VOB said detox was covered, um, in a facility setting subacute. Um, and ours, the representative told us no subacute detox is not covered. Um, they cannot come in for that level of care. They would have to have it uh, rendered in an acute hospital setting, something like that. Um, or they don't have the pre-cert timeline, um, which is basically like, uh, let me give you an example. Um, sometimes uh, for pre-cert, you need an authorization on file prior to the client coming in to the facility um, rather than same day um, as admission. And a lot of the time the facilities will say, well, how come this isn't covered? Because the last facility they were at said that it was and their VOB says it's covered. Um, and what we found out is a lot of the time, uh, because their forms aren't very specific, and I don't know if maybe their uh, uh, employees are trained differently um, or what it is, but um, a lot of the time other facilities end up getting acute hospital benefits because they're not being specific enough on their calls. Um, and that can cause problems with billing later down the road because it, a facility cannot bill as a hospital. It will get denied and that's a big no, no. So, um, there, there's a lot of differences. Um, basically just not as many questions, not as specific to each level of care. Uh, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think Claire, your, your example about the acute hospital setting is, it is actually a really good one because what it, what it illustrates is that in order to do this really, I mean, I think this is true for the whole revenue cycle in, um, behavioral health, but it's definitely true for the VOBs. In order to do this right, you have to understand the industry that you're working in. Um, and so it's really important for our, you know, for our team to know what the level of licensure is, for example, of the facility that we're working with. And it's important for our team to be able to ask the intelligent questions on the call um, to make sure that we're getting the appropriate benefits. Um, you know, that's another example that I used a minute ago was the level of care. We don't just ask about detox or residential. We're asking about specific CPT codes, uh, for example, that are that we're going to be billing on behalf of the facility um, because, you know, ultimately the answer might be different depending on how you ask the question. And I, you know, Claire, you mentioned this a second ago. I think it's exactly right. It's not just, uh, you know, ultimately this is an interaction between two human beings on the phone. It's not a computer extracting information from a database. So it's, it's, it's important, not just what the in data points are that we're trying to get, but also how we ask the questions and how the conversation goes between our staff and the payer staff on the other end of the phone. Um, and another thing that that sort of makes me think of is, one thing that we do about certain, you know, for, for certain things is we ask the same question different ways in order to, not to trap the insurance company exactly, but in order to make sure that we are actually getting the correct and complete information from the person on the other end of the phone. So if we ask the same question in two different ways and we get two different answers, well, then that tells us that we need to clarify. That gives us a, a you know, sort of light bulb that we need to, to make sure that we understand 
what the real story is about this issue, not just the thing that the, you know, the first thing that the rep read off their screen at the insurance company. Um, and so I think that's, you know, just sort of goes to the point of having a, a depth of subject matter knowledge and experience in this industry specifically and with these services and with these types of questions. Um, you know, you could have somebody reading the same form um, and getting much different information if they don't really know how to probe, right? Yeah. So there's that a why it's important. Go ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, Martin. Oh, no, I was going to ask, is that why it's important to get the representative information and policy number when you're calling in VOVs so that we are able to kind of verify that information between different conversations? Yeah, just to like, just to add to what Greg was saying, he's totally right. And it's, it, it has a lot to do with training as well, just because a lot of the insurance representatives that we speak to when we're doing VOBs, they're offshore. Um, that's not all the time. It is probably 95% of the time, though. Um, there can be language barriers. Um, and most of the time, they're just reading off of a booklet that they've pulled up um, for the client that lists very generic benefits. Um, so our training for our team members is super in-depth because there's a lot of follow-up questions that we ask on calls, almost every single call um, that requires it, um, that are not listed questions on our forms. Um, it's just our team knowing what needs to be asked when we hear a certain response or answer on one of our questions from an insurance representative. So um, we're not just asking the questions that are on the form, even though our forms are very lengthy. We're also asking many other questions that are not listed on there. Um, so it's, it's just a lot. And to add um, to what we were talking about before of what's not listed on, let's say online benefits, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like the pre-cert timelines, they're not on there. Um, they may give you a phone number to call, but they're not going to tell you, um, you know, how far in advance that needs to be done. Um, they're not going to give you which codes are covered for billing, um, which we check on all of our calls um, for each level of care. Uh, it's all kinds of stuff. They're totally different. So the reason why VOBs, uh, electronic VOBs, I think have kind of come to be more and more uh, prevalent and used more and more is because there's a, obviously a, an incentive to try to reach patients quickly and to make admissions decisions quickly. Because when someone makes the decision to get treatment, um, there's generally a small window of time where they're making that decision. And so facilities want to be able to be responsive to that. So, you know, given like not just the sense of urgency around it, but also between different facilities they may be speaking with any kind of competitiveness on the admissions side. Where do facilities, you know, I guess, how are facilities supposed to uh, best balance both timeliness and getting, you know, the verification of benefits done quickly, and then also that accuracy that's so required to make sure the benefits they are getting are meaningful for when the patient gets admitted? So what we do is um, once we receive the request from the facility for a patient we need to run benefits for, um, we immediately, me and my co-manager, Cody, um, are sending screenshots from online portals that we have. Um, we typically use Availity, um, and if the insurer is not on Availity, we'll use the Unit Healthcare Portal, portal, the Cigna Portal, UMR, Beacon, Magellan. We have so many portals. Um, basically, what we'll do is we'll pull up specifically for substance abuse or mental health potential benefits um, that are showing online, and we take snapshots of those and send them back to the facility pretty much within the first five minutes after they request the VOB. Um, so that they have something to go off of while they're waiting for our complete form to be sent back to them. So, um, and a lot of the time that's, 
most of what they need to be able to admit the patient, um, especially if they have contracts. So if let's say a facility has an in-network contract with Anthem and they send us an Anthem plan, uh, plan, if it's active and it's showing deductible coinsurance, a copay and an out-of-pocket on availability, and we send that to them, they get a general idea of what it's going to look like, um, what the patient's going to have to um, be responsible for, um, and all that. So, um, and usually depending on hold times, if the hold times aren't bad, um, we can get a VOB done in under an hour and it gets back to them pretty quick. Sometimes I've seen Aetna, Cigna, United VOBs get done in under 30 minutes. So it really just depends. Um, but they are getting that basic, um, potential benefit sent to them prior to us even calling so that they do have, um, some information to go off of. Yeah, and the, the other thing, thing that I always tell people when they ask about this sort of how to balance the, you know, fast versus complete and accurate is I'm, I am a big fan of like, you know, quotables. So uh, there's a John Wooden quote that I use all the time, which is, if you don't have time to do it right, when will you have time to do it again? Um, and I think that that really applies uh like really applies to VOBs because ultimately the downside of not doing the VOB or doing it, you know, rushing it and getting it wrong and missing something, the potential downside is that you're providing free care to somebody. Um, and that is a, you know, major financial drain on these organizations. Um, alternatively, you're going to have to admit somebody and then discharge them when you discover that, um, that you, you aren't going to get reimbursed for the service. And that's also a financial drain, although somewhat less, but also, you know, not good for the patient. So ultimately the downside of getting it wrong is, is pretty significant. Um, and as Claire said, you know, we can provide, we, we provide as much information as we can as quickly as possible. And that certainly is something that everybody should be striving to do. Um, but ultimately, you know, making an informed decision here about what is, you know, in, in many cases is going to be sort of tens of thousands of dollars worth of, um, worth of investment, um, you know, just from a business standpoint, thinking about the, the, the organization, you know, the, the facility that we're working with, that's a really important decision for them to be able to make. And, and so they, you know, ultimately my got my guidance usually is that, it's important to make that decision in an informed way because um, the downside, you know, can be pretty steep. Yeah. And just to add to that, Greg, we do have like a historical sheet and we keep track of trends um, for certain plans too. So um, along with the screenshots, we have, you know, kind of a plethora of information um, for many plans. So for just an example, if someone sends a plan to us that um, we need to run a VOB for and I see, um, a familiar looking prefix um, on a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, I can go into the historical data or just from my knowledge base and my brain from working here for so long um, and let them know like if the facility only has uh, only renders detox and these plans usually don't cover detox, um, I will tell them that initially with the screenshots that I'm sending and let them know like, hey, we're still going to double check this with a live representative, but this is what I know. Um, so that they, you know, kind of have an idea of what the VOB is going to look like when it comes back, or if they are not going to get one at all because there's no coverage. So kind of setting them up um, for kind of setting an expectation at the beginning of the of the call. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I will say too is that, you know, to your point, Claire, about like certain policies, we sort of know what they're going to look like. Um, I've talked about this in a lot of different contexts, so I'll use this as an opportunity to like get on my soapbox again about this. But like, this is a great, great argument for why the marketing and the business development teams and the sort of financial billing, um, you know, revenue cycle teams um, should be in communication and, and can work really well together and can help each other do, you know, do their jobs more effectively. Um, because this is another, this is an area where, you know, in addition to Claire's knowledge and the, the sort of accumulated knowledge that we have as an organization, you know, the, the business development reps have knowledge about this. If they've been around the industry for a while, they know policies pretty well. They know their referral sources. Um, and they know, you know, who's sending good policies and who's sending, you know, more challenging policies. So there's a lot of institutional knowledge floating around in different places. And obviously, to Claire's point, we have a lot of that, but there is also a lot of that in the marketing and admissions teams uh, embedded in those teams at, at the facilities. Um, and so when we create opportunities and, and structures and processes to work together and to collaborate, um, that makes this process a lot smoother and a lot more effective, too. And so because the VOB is the beginning part of what essentially is not just an admissions process, but it's also the billing and collections process that comes on afterwards by collecting as much complete and accurate information up front as you can in as timely fashion as possible. It's really setting up the entire rest of the process with other individuals and other processes to be as successful as can possibly be. Is that a good assessment? That's, that's exactly right. I, what I always say is that like the revenue cycle doesn't start at the billing, right? The revenue cycle isn't something that like happens after you provide care. The revenue cycle is something that starts before the patient even admits to your facility. And it's, and it's in the VOB process that, that that's the case. Like we are getting really important information. We and the facilities are getting really important information even before the patient admits to the facility that's going to help us first of all, know and make intelligent decisions about, about what to do with respect to this patient. And then second of all, later on, when it comes time for us to actually act to, you know, to obtain an authorization or to submit claims and collect cash, it gives us the information and the ammunition that we need to, to do that effectively. Wonderful. Well, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think we're just about at time for, uh, for today, but I think we really covered a lot of information surrounding uh, VOBs, electronic VOBs, and why it's so important to have not just accurate and complete information, but to do so in a very timely fashion, and all the different dependencies that come as a result of that. So I want to thank you both for joining today. I really appreciate your time, and we're going to join uh, next month for another edition of the Better Billing Podcast. Thank you all for joining today. Take care. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Marty. Thank you, guys.